Now, when we become parents, planning for the future takes on an additional level of responsibility. Today, we're going to talk about leaving a legacy that will outlast you. And we have two great kingdom women, mother and daughter, to talk to us about this subject. Crystal Evans-Hurst and Karis Ferris. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood, Crystal and Karis. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you both on the show. And I know you're both incredible women who does so much kingdom work and you love encouraging people to love God, to love others and to love themselves. Now, today, as we're talking about the subject of legacy, now I believe legacy begins in our heart with our relationship with God. You both have an incredible legacy and you know, Crystal, your parents, Karis, your grandparents, Tony and Lewis Evans. Now, Crystal, you know, I'm going to start with you. Now, how has life created an example for you to live out a life of legacy for your children? Well, I think my mother learned from her mother mm-hmm. and my uh, grandmother on my dad's side, too. They were all very committed to their families. Um, and while everybody worked, they were very clearly sacrificing many of the things that they wanted to do in certain seasons of their lives for the um, important role of motherhood that they had. So it wasn't hard for me during certain seasons of my life to decide to stay home with my kids. It wasn't hard during certain seasons of my life to be dog tired and still show up for all the things or stay up for the projects that they had do, reading aloud to the kids the same book again with kid number four, um, teaching the kids the Bible, saying the book of James. All of my kids have had to memorize the book of James for the graduate from high school. So I should have it down by now. Like, but all these things, <laughs> all these things are because I've seen them done well. And I know what it is to sacrifice what you want now for what you want to see later. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and no one um, in my family, my parents, their parents included, wanted to have regrets. And so they prioritized family and they prioritized faith and church and connecting with um, friends and um, people in the community. And while they worked hard, they they kept what was most important front and center. And so we've just been blessed to have good examples to follow. But I always like to say this, people say, well, that was, you know, that's nice for you. But, but my grandparents, all of them, Karis's great grandparents, they did not all have good examples to follow. And mm-hmm. I know very specifically my grandparents on my dad's side chose to leave very, very challenging sinful situations and to turn their lives around and to follow Jesus. And that was the origin of their decisions to change how they raise their family. Mm-hmm. So I always say, if you had a great family to follow the example, awesome. But if you didn't, the good news is that you, you get to choose. Right. Amen. Now, as mothers, we tend to do, we tend to sacrifice a lot, as you mentioned. Did you ever struggle between wanting to stay home with your children as well as working because you're sacrificing everything that you have to do to become the mother that God has called you to be. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I was uh, in corporate America for 10 years and then I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. And then the last 10 years of my life, I've been a work-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. And every 10 years, every decade, I felt guilty about something. Mm. The first 10 years, I felt guilty as a single parent of not being able to give enough time to my daughter because I was working and I had to work and I wanted to be successful at that so that we had something, you know, together. In the next decade of my life, in my 30s, I felt guilty about what I wasn't doing for me because all of my friends were still working and making money or they 
had their kids in school and I was thinking, I'm a homeschool mom at home and I have this degree. I feel guilty for not using it. And then in my 40s, I feel guilty for being home with my kids, working at home with my kids and not feeling like I can give them enough. I mean, my goodness, I feel guilty all the time because I'm a grandmother. <laughs> Karis has kids and she asks me all the time to babysit them. And I'm trying to figure out how do I make it to my 12 year old's basketball game and finish that book and babysit grandkids. Like there's, so at a certain point, you just say, I have to make the best decision that I can and feel as much peace as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm praying to God and leading as he allows and then know that this is the best that I can do. And I literally have had to learn to do that some days. Mm-hmm. Um, in my 40s, I learned that lesson. Look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? <laughs> you've thought about it. You've prayed about it. You've weighed it. You've written it down. And this is the best you can do. And you're okay. Because uh, otherwise, there's always something as a mom, as a working mom, as a wife, as a church member, as a community member, as a grandmother, as an auntie, that you're not going to be able to get to. Right. And you just have to make peace with doing the best that you can. Amen. Now, Karis, how has your mom's life created an example for you to live out a life of legacy for your children? Now that you have three. <laughs> right. I know. Um, I think like, especially just thinking about what she said, her different stages in the decades, I definitely see that um, in my upbringing as being a huge part of um, what I look to when I'm trying to figure out how to navigate being a work from home mom and owning mm-hmm. my own business. Um, like she said, she we were she was a single mom for the first 10 years and I remember seeing her working. And so to me, that was a great example of just being able to see a woman work and have a great job and take care of herself and her child. And um, then when she brought me home in the sixth grade to homeschool me, I saw the home side. We baked bread. We, we made flour from wheat berries. We like garden. We, you know, I was, um, because I'm so much older than my brothers, I felt like I helped raise them in changing diapers and, you know, doing whatever was needed at the mm. time to just kind of help her with these three young boys. And so I really saw what it looked like to be a stay at home mom and to do that well. Um, and then just in this second phase of her life or the third phase of her life as she's doing work from home and writing books and being with my brothers, I'm really seeing, you know, what it looks like lived out to, to do both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I remember when people would ask me growing up, like what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would always say a wife and a mom, because that's what I saw. And mm-hmm. that's what I knew. And I was like, I want to do that. That seems great. Um, But that's because that's what I saw up close and personally. And then now that I'm kind of in this phase of my life where, you know, I'm in business ownership and trying to do the mom thing and also feeling guilty for like both of those things and trying to do both of them well and be a wife well, um, looking at her now, it's such a great up close example. And we often call each other. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, what should I do about this? Okay, what what write up do you use to get this kind of employee? It's, you know, so it's really great to have um, someone to look up to and to look back on and to see kind of how she's navigated all these different areas in her life, but then also have someone currently who's kind of going through, um, you know, similar things. And so Mm -hmm. just in in the uh, aspect of legacy, I think that my mom and my grandmother and my great grandmother, who I knew as well, did a really good job of not only telling and saying what to do, but like grabbing grabbing hands and saying, here, let me show you just mm. what I do. Um, and, and that has helped me really, um, really be able to figure out 
how I should navigate my own life. Right. Now, Crystal, have you ever been in a place whereby you would have done things a little bit differently? In what in what way? Just in motherhood in general? In motherhood in general, in terms of raising your kids. You know, I asked my grandmother that question. I said, we called her Two Mama. I said, Two Mama, what would you do differently? And she looked up and she said, you know, nothing. I said, nothing? She said, nothing. <laughs> I said, because I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. Mm-hmm. And you can only work with the information you have. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, of sure, I have a list of 10,987 things that I would do, <laughs> we all I would do. do differently. <laughs> but I really do believe that with the information that I had, that I did the right thing. So let me, this is the wisdom talking, the hindsight 2020, the no guilt. I think, I think if I could do anything differently, gosh, I really, I mean, because everything I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm like, but I couldn't have done that at the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I literally wouldn't have been able to do that. I think probably being a little bit more relaxed. So I'm a homeschool mom. That's what I will say. Probably being a little bit more relaxed. And I hesitate to say that because right now, Karis is working on writing a book. And mm-hmm. the thought that I have about being more relaxed means I wouldn't have stayed up with her till 2 a.m. forcing her forcing her to write in a paper. She got a grade. She had a deadline. And after the deadline, I said, and we're going to keep going because you will know what an A paper is. If that doesn't sound like a tiger mom, I don't know what does, but here she is working on a book. And yeah. never in a million years would I have said my child will be an author. She's always been crafty and artsy. And, you know, at some point I thought I probably went too far with demanding mm-hmm. and I did demand excellence from her. But here she is doing something in her life that could have come without it. But I think that somewhere in there was the diligence that I required of her in writing. So it's really hard. You know, it's like if I would have not done that, would it still have happened? Does God, you know, yeah. did God use that? And so, um, so I, but I do think that most parents, and that's why older parents are relaxed parents. They're tired, but they're also relaxed mm-hmm. is they look back and they say, eh, that just doesn't matter. You know, we stress out about, you know, which diapers should they get? Oh my gosh, which wipes are going to be the most you know, ethical? I mean, you know, and you know, by the time you get to the third kid, you're just like, give me that old wipe from the last one. Let me turn it over and wipe their bottom. <laughs> Nobody cares. So I do think for every mom, there is this sense of as you get older, or better, or you have more children, you relax a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so I just think that's why grandmothers and aunties and older women can say to younger women, just relax, they'll be okay. They'll Mm -hmm. be okay. Because, but you don't know that when you're 24 and you have your first child and they're three months old. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, as a mom myself, I've always wondered, like, sometimes when I'm pressuring my daughter to like learn her letters or her numbers, I'm like, oh my goodness, am I being not relaxed about it? Am I pushing her too much? And, but then, you know, and, and then I hear your story where Karis is right now, you know, she is a great writer and she's writing her first book. And so, you know, there is the fruit for it. But at that time, did you ever think about like, oh my goodness, I, should I be pressuring him that much? (laughs) No, at the time I was like, if I don't graduate this child from homeschool, if she's not successful, then I I screwed her whole life up. So I was so stressed out trying to make sure I didn't screw up her whole life. See, now I can look at her and she talks to my younger children when they're like, you're screwing my life up, mom. And I'm like, 
nothing that you say can bother me. I have no kryptonite in this area because everything I thought I should do with that kid over there paid off. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about what you say, but I have learned though to say that there are some things that you put in your children, you don't get any feedback that it's the right thing, mm. but you have to have a holy conviction. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. You know, is this what I need to be doing right now in my life for this child? Right. The Holy Spirit can can call you back if he needs to. But also for you to say, if you feel convicted, know that this this needs to happen for this child right now, then go ahead and do it. Don't apologize for it. Pray about it and let the Lord lead. Because here's what I tell my kids. I told my daughters this because they were the older two and then they're three boys. I am going to screw you up. I already know this. Adam and Eve were jacked up. Everybody afterwards has been jacked up. You're probably going to have to go to therapy for me one day. When you go to therapy and that therapist tells you, bring your mother with you so that she can apologize to you. I'm telling you today, I'm sorry. So when they call you 20 years from now, I'm not coming because I already know. (laughs) I already know. So there's a grace that you have to give yourself as a parent to say, if I check all of the boxes, every single one, Mm -hmm. this child is going to turn 21 and tell me how I screwed them up. Mm -hmm. So all I can do is the best that I can do. Let the Holy Spirit lead me. Let the Holy Spirit convict me, work with my spouse. If I'm married to, you know, get his perspective on the matter. And then God loves them more than I do. Mm -hmm. And when they leave, he will have more time to shape them than I've had. So I've just got to do my job and realize that we're all fallen. I'm not going to get it all right and know that God can catch whatever I miss. All right. That's, that's good. Now, you know, those are just really, really great wisdom that you just shared. Now, Karis, what are some things that you have learned from your mother that you will carry throughout your life? Something like all the things, everything, Uh everything, All the things. All no, the things. All the things. I'm trying to like pick one. Just for this, and and this I mean, you know, also, what are some things that you're carrying now that you're showing to your kids? Yeah. I think overall, as I get older, I just become my mother. And I think I used <laughs> to fight it at first. And now I'm like, why fight it? <laughs> why fight it at this point? Um, but I think my mom said it best when, when she was talking about, um, pursuing excellence and, and how she really did that in my schooling is, you know, like she said, I'd write a paper, the paper be done. And I think, Oh, this is good to go. And then she's like, no, we're going to do it until it's an A paper, like things like that. And she did that across the board with everything. And so like, even if I was, I was interested in sewing a lot in high school. And so, you know, she, she encouraged me like enter contests and, um, you know, hear these sewing lessons and, you know, she never really, allowed me to do anything at half mast. So mm-hmm. when I, so when I, I got into photography at one point, she was like, okay, we're going to enter the state fair photography competition and we're going to, you know, go on photography walks and do all this thing. And, and now I'm a photographer and a business owner and all these things. But I think that for a while after I left her house, I was just like, so happy to be like relaxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to I didn't really want to be excellent. I was like, I just want to rest. But then after I grew up a little bit, (laughs) I've come back into excellence. And I think because she taught me how to be excellent, it has been easier for me to to go about doing that in my adult life. And so I, I would say that probably the biggest thing that she has 
taught me is how to be excellent and, mm-hmm. and what that looks like, because it's it's not like you can just turn it on with a switch. I think you have to have tools and you have to have learned how to, you know, attack something and how to keep doing it until you get better um, and how to create systems around yourself so that, you know, you, you, you can constantly get better. And so I think that if I had to choose one thing that I, that I would carry throughout my life, it would be that she's given me the tools for how to be excellent. And I can apply that anywhere in my life. Mm, Amen. Now, you know, um, and it's biblical too, right? We are to do everything in excellence. Mm -hmm. And so with that, for Karis, what, what do you see in your children that you're you're bringing the character of excellence to them and teaching them to partake on and to take on the character of excellence. Yeah. For me, I'm, I, my mom is really smart. (laughs) My mom is like, so like book smart and school has always been like just a struggle for me or, or was, you know, through elementary and grade school and even college is just school is, has been hard. And so for me, when it comes to school for my children, like Ellie is in pre-K and they have homework. I could care less about making her do homework. (laughs) I could care less about making her like sit down and do the homework. My mom, we're sitting down and we're doing this homework. Me, I'm like, she'll learn it eventually. And so for me as a mother, where I have tried to teach them the character of excellence is in like scripture. And I am constantly like anything that they do, I'm constantly relating it back to Jesus <laughs> to the point where they're like annoyed at me. Uh, I think Ellie yesterday, um, she wanted to, you know, stay awake during nap time. I said, that's fine, but you're going to clean your room. And I said, well, why do we clean our rooms, Ellie? And she was like, I know, because we need to be a good steward of what we have. <laughs> so like, they're, they're annoyed at this point about how much I try to hammer in, like just yeah. the word of God. And, and so that is the way for me that I'm teaching them excellence is yeah. in whatever you're doing, you're doing it for Jesus and whatever you're doing, you're doing it to be a better disciple of him. And for me, if I can just get that, in them, if I can just do that, then I don't think I'll have to worry so much about right. anything else. <laughs> and I think that's so great because especially in today's world, today's culture, there's just so many different, you know, topics that's infiltrating children these days and children doesn't need to know that. And, you know, with you just speaking God's word uh, into their life, it's not just building their character, but giving them an understanding about who Christ really is. And, you know, I, I do that to my daughter too, you know, at moments sometimes I have to just bring it back to the Bible. Would, would Jesus do that? Like, you know, and all that kind of questions just to make her think. And there are moments of times where I'm thinking like, well, oh, some people are like really hammering academics where I'm also trying to teach her the character of Christ and what the Bible would say and what the Bible would do. But at the end of the day, you, you see the character that is coming out of these children, right? And that they would learn how to love the Lord and love people. So now back to my question, you know, Crystal, providing a daily example of modeling godly behavior for our children is more powerful than any Bible study we can teach them, right? So what are some daily examples that you've modeled to Karis when, when she was growing up? Hmm. 
when she was growing up. I thought you were going to ask me like what I'm doing right now with the boys because I'm better now. But <laughs> hey, you can share that too. <laughs> um, when Karis was growing up, I think, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, just a commitment to the home. I think I was just committed to home. I was home and I was with the kids and constantly figuring out what to do with them and committed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as I've gotten older, I don't know if I did this as well when she was younger, but I definitely have gotten better at this as I'm older and just saying less. I think as she's gotten older, she probably sees that there are plenty of moments that I have in my life to lose it mm-hmm. and to give everybody a piece of my mind or to be upset and to be sharp with my tongue. And I've just learned that it's just not, it's just a, it really behooves a person, especially a woman, when we want to get our things off of our chest to take a deep breath, take things. And it sounds super spiritual, but it's just it just is true to pray about things, mm-hmm. to tell God, hey, do you see that? Did you see what happened right there? I'm, I'm going to try not to kill anybody. But did you see what happened? And just to save your words, because the words, particularly with men, children, Mm-hmm. All they hear anyway is want, 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 want. So you release yourself and say all the things you want to say, and it doesn't accomplish anything. So right. that's why I've had an opportunity because there are three boys home and you know I'm the only girl right now. So I think with time, the godly example would just be, because even Karis will say to me, I guess there's a certain look that I'll get on my face. She'll go, she'll go what? <laughs> and I'm like, nothing. She's like, no, what really? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> so uh, I, I've learned that, but I think younger was just, again, I, I was just whole hog home, whole hog home, whatever I cloth diapering, but I mean, not that that's the definition of holy homing, but I'm just saying my, my eyes were on home. So I think that would be it. Now, Karis, would you think that would be something that you would take away to speak less? <laughs> Um, no, I, I think that she definitely modeled the home well, mm-hmm. very, very well. And I, if there's a time that I remember the most, it's that is her being at home. Mm-hmm. And and when I say like, I mean, she she already, you know, described it, but. I, from cloth diapering to, uh, like I, I mentioned, making flour from wheat berries and gardening and, you know, just doing all the homemade dinners and all of that. I really saw what doing that in excellence looks like. And, and, every, and everyone's excellence may look differently. My excellent, you know, at home was going to mm-hmm. look different than my mom's excellent at home. I, I'm not making uh, flour from wheat berries or anything like that. But, but she'll, she'll get fresh flour from me, though. Yeah, yeah. But if I ever had to, I know how. How? We have the tools. Back to the tools. I have the tools, tools, right. Uh, And so I think that for me, at least, probably the biggest, um, the biggest modeling that she did that I can think of was just managing the home. I mean, cutting coupons, going to the grocery store. Do you remember that? You know, binders and binders of coupon. And so um, it would just be how well she modeled the home. And I was, and even now, as, as I'm looking to her as what she's modeling with her business and the ownership of that and everything she's doing, that is huge. For, I call her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what should I do about this? What should I do with this? How are you doing this? How are you balancing this? And even just watching her and knowing it's okay that it's not perfect. Or I think that a lot of times when you're, you know, doing your best, you feel like it should feel better. 
you feel like it should feel like you're doing your best. Yeah. And a lot of times I feel like I'm failing. And, and even though I'm doing my best, but looking at her and modeling it, I think, oh my gosh, you're doing a great job. But then I hear her being like, oh, I'm not doing enough or, oh, this is not the right thing. So even now, you know, I can look back and think of the things she's modeled in the past, but even now I'm seeing her model out what I'm trying to be in a way that is relatable and is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Now, Crystal, we talked a lot about, you know, you modeling as a mom to Kara's and your children and just leaving, you know, the legacy that would outlast for generation. Now, what would be something that, you know, and we talked about, we talked about generations in the past, right? What would a great example that you have taken away from your late mother, Lois Evans? Um, well, <laughs> the excellent, the, the thought that the first thought I had that passed through my brain just in terms of her legacy of excellence mm. is just everything she touched was high. And by high, I mean, she always looked like a million bucks. Her home was always together. Um, if she gave a gift, it was going to be beautiful. Um, she made sure my father looked good. Um, she just... Everywhere she, you, even my dad has said multiple times since her passing, her fingerprints are everywhere. And Mm. everything that she touched, she brought a level of excellence to it. And she called other people around her to excellence. Mm. No, we're not going to speak that way. We are going to treat our guests this way. No, this is not the way we want to present this on a plate. And so I hold intention the fact that she liked getting dressed and putting on makeup and doing all that. And I'm a T-shirt and yoga pants kind of girl. And it's really hard for me to wear anything but black. (laughs) So I, you know, I hold that intention, but she always encouraged me um, to be the best me that I can be and to allow everything in my life to be an overflow of who I am. And so even when uh, at her funeral, uh, I wore these tennis shoes because I had a foot issue years ago and I had to uh, wear Converse. I got into wearing Converse because I just needed flat shoes. Mm-hmm. So when I needed more flat shoes, I said, I just, if I'm going to keep wearing these Converse, I just need greater variety. And I had black and I had white and I had a, you know, a cream one. Well, she bought me some Converse, but they were blingy. So she was like, you can wear Converse, but just take it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, even at her funeral, I wore this beautiful dress and it was, you know, I had some of her jewelry on and all that. And I did me converse, but just up a notch. So I think that as I look at my life and I think, how can I take it up a notch? You know, I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. I always am thinking, what would my mother have done here? Like what would, like we just recently were doing something for our women at our church. And I was after the event thinking, what do I, how do I want to follow up with a gift? And immediately I thought, because uh, she's a great gift giver, immediately I thought, take it up a notch, Crystal. The next time you should have their gift ready now, not follow up with the gift, you know, in the mail or whatever. Mm-hmm. The day that you were engaging in this event, you give them their gift, then get ahead, get ahead. So that, you know, her voice in my head of, of, um, 
bringing excellence into every situation and doing it with grace. Um, we have a word that we use to describe her. If anybody looks really put together or they just seem like they're really on point, we say, you're very low a C today. <laughs> and we all know what that means. It means you're bringing with you a certain level of excellence and grace and um, willingness to take it up a notch. And that's what I think I will forever be learning from her. That's beautiful. And that's something that I just learned. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you know, um, for both of you, Crystal and Karis, what are some family traditions that you follow and will follow for generations to come? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think Donnie did a great, my grandmother did a great job of, of, well, at least for me, like the month of December Mm -hmm. is filled like to the brim with tradition mm-hmm. like a few weeks before Christmas we have a ladies lunch where we all go to lunch and the men just know that they have to watch the children that it is the non-starter it is not a conversation that we're having this day is for <laughs> women and we go shopping and we go see a movie and we just spend the whole day doing girly things um and having super girly lunch a lunch and just we I mean, I won't go through it all, but we have a lot of Christmas tradition. It was also her birthday month. So between that and Christmas, she was like, December is, we live for December. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so I, that feeling of December was so much more than just Christmas. It was family. It was being with everyone. And so if there is one thing that I will keep, it is most certainly just that tradition of not so much Christmas, but just the month being for family mm-hmm. and for family being together and for family to be laughing and to be cooking together and just the togetherness that I think of when I think of December, I will most certainly keep that. Right. And it's awesome that your children, your grandchildren are able to see that family is an important value, you know, um, of togetherness. So, uh, well, we're almost at the end of our show, but I wanted to know from the both of you, is there anything else that you would like to share with other gems of mothers out there? You know, I read in a book one time, it's a book called A Mom Like Me. The last name of the author is Ferris. Cannot, is it Vicki Ferris? But it's a mom like me. And, I, and in there, she says, I wonder if the Jewish mothers ever thought as they swept their dirt floors with brooms, keeping their little houses clean, thinking about how they had traversed through Egypt, made it through the promised land and were hoping for the promised one. Did they think about thousands of years later what it would look like for the Jewish people to be strong enough to make it through the Holocaust and to then survive and to migrate all over the world? And did they think about what they were building into their children and the strength that generations would need in order to stand strong? Or were they just sleep sweeping the floor? And I'm not I'm not quoting that. It's definitely a strong paraphrase. But I think if you as a mom can realize that every little thing you do, not in a pressure way, but everything that you do, no matter how small, is an investment in generations to come. You know, I I look at my granddaughter, Josie, it makes me cry every single time. And I think, ah, she didn't get to know Nani, you know, mm. Ellie, the oldest grandchild knows her name is Lois. We call her Ellie. She knows that she was named after her grandmother. She knows that she will always have, even if faint, she'll always have memories of her. Mm-hmm. Josie won't know her. However, Josie 
will forever be marked by every investment my mother ever made. Mm. So you have to think it's not about the diapers and it's not about the dishes. It's about your presence. It's about your smile. It's about the love that when the people that, that you, you've given birth to or that you have, um, that have been a gift to your family walk in the door and they see you looking at them, that the smile you give them lets them know that they're welcome, that they're accepted, that there's a safe place for them, that there's someone who's always in their corner. That gift of acceptance and worth will keep giving for generations to come. And all you did was smile when they walk in the door. So no gift of your presence and your service and your sacrifice is too small to have iterations beyond the people that you will never meet. Amen. That was so good. Yeah, I have nothing to say. (laughs) No, that was it. That was perfect. (laughs) Mic drop. She did everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to thank you both so much for coming on the Gems of Motherhood podcast. You both just shared so many incredible wisdom about just leaving a legacy and coming from a family with great legacy. I just want to so appreciative of the both of you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Now, I hope you enjoyed our 50th episode of the Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with any actionable tips and links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I hope you'll find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made in him.